we're looking at the fact that last week we had our introduction, and today we're looking at the fact of our first point, which is Christmas is a time of celebration. Our scripture that we'll be looking at for the Advent season is that which they read for us, Luke 2, verses 8 to 14. Very familiar passage for us. A lot of us have grown up around the Christmas tree, uh, learning that passage of scripture or in our services or in Sunday school as a child. We, it sounds very, very familiar to us. In particular today, for those that have their Bibles open, verse 10 is the verse that we're looking at today. So we have been, we'll be journeying, but last week we started the journey of why Christmas? Why do we do this? And I thought this story was uh, interesting. Uh, now listen to this story. Two men in Florida. I heard a song last night coming home from prayer. All I want for Christmas is a tan. A good tan. All I want for Christmas, not my two scrunchy, all I want for Christmas is a good tan. Anyway, these two men were getting a tan. <laughs> They're in Florida. And so they decided to go sailing while their wives go Christmas shopping. While the men went out sailing, a terrible storm arose, and they had great difficulty keeping the boat, the sailboat, under control. And as they maneuvered their way, trying to get home back on land, they got grounded on the sandbar. And so they had to get out of the sailboat, and they were down up to their hips, right, in, in water. And now, you know, they're trying to push and get this sailboat off the sandbar, and they're full of mud, and they're getting deeper and deeper in water, and the wind is blowing all over the place, and waves are coming up upon them, and they're soaking wet. And one of the guys, deep in mud, looks at the other buddy and says, you know, it sure beats Christmas shopping, though. <laughs> or dress shopping. It sure beats Christmas shopping. Well, I had a chuckle this week, and I thought I had to share this, of some of the pictures of guys <laughs> having to deal with Christmas shopping with their wives. And it's almost like it's the worst thing possible. And I'm thinking, women, what are we doing to them? And we wonder why they're not in a good mood at Christmas. Look at these two guys. Three guys. And this, to me, is the ultimate. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what age you get, to the gentlemen out there, the wives still want you to do it, even into later years of life. And I can understand why some of them feel bah humbug, like, I don't want this Christmas shopping, I don't like this Christmas thing that we're having to do. And we think of often about that story by Dr. Seuss in the movie later, The Grinch, who stole Christmas, and sometimes if we're not careful at Christmas, in the Christmas season, we can be like riches, right? We can lose the Christmas spirit, what it's all about. And I was thinking of our daughter, and, and she was at school there, uh, it was during the COVID time, and it was Christmas season, and, and, and she was at school, and there were ones that were complaining about the fact that they didn't have enough Christmas carols in, in, in the schools anymore, and, and, and they weren't living out the faith and they were wanting Tina to get involved in that. And they said, Tina, you know, where's your Christmas spirit? Well, first of all, the songs that they wanted in the school were Frosty the Snowman and Jingle Bells. 
And so Tina thought, that's not something for me to, to, to fight about. But what ended up happening, they said to her, Tina, where's your Christmas spirit? You're a bah humbug. And Tina says, oh, no, 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 no. I enjoy Christmas. I enjoy celebrating Christmas. But you need to understand my culture, my life. I spent most of my life in Europe. And this foolishness that you guys are getting on with, that you call Christmas, then that's not how we celebrate a Christmas. Because we celebrate a Christmas around Christ. One of the blessings of being in Europe is Santa Claus, San Nicolas, comes on the 6th. And it's not, there's a head nodding, on the 6th. And so there's no confusion on the 25th what you're celebrating. I would think almost any child in Europe, if you ask them what you celebrate on December 25th, they would say the birth of Christ. And so we can, we can get into struggles, you know, sometimes there's so many things that can take away our spirit, that can take away our Christmas joy. And, and I want to challenge you today, before we move on, what are those things that can, can steal our Christmas joy? Well, the men would say, yes, Pastor, Christmas shopping. Is there any man in the house that likes the Christmas shop? Women, why are we putting them through? <laughs> Not one man put his hand up. <laughs> but there are other things, church, uh, and being serious now, that can steal the Christmas spirit. And materialism, if we're not careful, can steal the Christmas spirit. You know, we get so focused on buying gifts, and we forget the gift. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir, because you're here this morning, and we're talking, and we spend time at the Lord's table. But we can fall into this trap, that we forget about the greatest gift at Christmas. And materialism is rampant in our day, and we can see that all around us, not just at Christmas, but oh my goodness, it rears its ugly head like no other time of the year at Christmas. And somehow, your gifts aren't big enough, they're not expensive enough, no matter what you have in your house, you need a better one, and it is now coming to a place where the, the uh, advertisement is coming at us 24-7, and we would like to get it even off our Facebook, but we can't, because it's just there constantly coming at you. And I want to challenge you today, church, that we need to be very, very careful when it comes to materialism, and especially at Christmas. Jesus warned us so much in his Gospels about greed and materialism, and you can find that parable in Luke chapter 12. But in verse 15 of Luke 12, he said this, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Now that's a challenge for a lot of us. When we're having to build new barns to store our stuff, new garages, or some of us women are trying to find new places to store our stuff. Pastor Mike, don't you go there. I'm already there. <laughs> And we're trying to find, you know, like, we need to be careful of this. We can get so wrapped up into this, and it can steal Christmas from us. It can steal the true meaning of Christmas from us. And so, you know, we need to be on guard against all kinds of greed in our life. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. Is there any greed there? 
And, and that we need to confess to God that we don't want to put our trust in abundance of our possessions. That my trust is in the Lord, not what I own. We have to be good stewards. This is a challenge. And we talked about, like I said, about get your house in order coming into this new year, 2023. But this is a good means anytime and even at Christmas. As stewards, we don't live beyond our means. That's getting quiet in here. But as good stewards that all of God has blessed us, we don't live a lifestyle beyond our means. So that we live that lifestyle in such a way that we go further and further and further in debt. My friends, don't ever give me a Christmas gift you can't afford that you need to go in debt to buy and you're going to be working until March to pay off. That's not giving a gift. That's going into debt for something you can't afford. Now, hear me right. I use my visa too. <laughs> I use my credit cards. But I'm just challenging us that some of the things, the lies that the enemy is getting us into a place, if we're talking about finances, the enemy wants to get you so tied up that the next point is you can't be generous because you don't have it to give. You're so far stretched that if the Holy Spirit said, I want you to help a widow, I want you to help a family, you couldn't do it because you're so far stretched financially. That's not everyone, but someone knows today that I'm speaking to them. And so if we're not careful, materialism can steal Christmas. Oh, if materialism isn't your issue, maybe your schedule. Our Christmas schedule is full. And guess what? Pastors are at every event. So ours is really full. And it's going to be a challenge in your busy life and work and all the parties and all the things that go on and the relatives who visit and cooking the turkey and eating the turkey that you are going to have to find a time to stop, rest, and reflect. Stress can steal your Christmas. Anxiety can steal your Christmas. And so I want to challenge you today that you're going to have to limit your schedule. And I joked with our family that November was no member. And I'm going to challenge you that it's okay to say to people in December, no, sorry, we have something else on. It's, it's, we're not able to. I have plans. Maybe your plan is to sit by the fire at home and just have a nice reflective evening with your family. And that would be appropriate. And so I want to challenge you this Christmas, turn your anxieties onto the Lord, cast your cares upon Him, put a limit, a guard, a boundary on your schedule. Here's a good one for us as evangelicals. Don't wear busyness as a badge of honor. Did you hear that? Look at someone and say that. Don't wear busyness as a badge of honor. We have done terrible in the evangelical church that if the busiest person wins the biggest prize, no, they don't. They go in through burnout and all kinds of issues. And so we want to be also Mary's, not just Martha's. And we find our true Sabbath rest resting in the green pastures with our Lord. And you know, when I read this again this morning, this psalm, just close your eyes for a moment. Let me just read Psalm 23, verses 1 to 3. This is the Lord's will for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
That is the Lord's will for you. Can you take a breath for a moment and just sense the peace that he's wanting to give you? And so don't allow this Christmas, the schedule, to be something that's just having you run here, there, and everywhere and stealing your peace. Moving on, grief can steal our Christmas. Christmas is supposed to be a time full of joy and pleasant memories and all those good things. But some of us, Christmas can bring a time where they especially have a difficult time and they're grieving because of a lost loved one who isn't there. Some families have received bad news. And, and getting that bad report or bad news is a difficult time and makes Christmas, celebrating Christmas, difficult. But do you realize that Christmas comes to those who are grieving? Christmas comes to those who have received bad news, disappointment, frustrations, that Christ has come to all people. And so if you're going through a difficult time this Christmas, I want to encourage you that Jesus understands. Amen. And Jesus weeps with you. And, uh, you know, we can have that action plan, even if we're grieving this Christmas and stealing our joy and celebration, that we need to realize and admit that we're grieving. It's okay to say to people, I'm having a difficult Christmas. Or I won't be there because I, I just don't feel like celebrating. It's okay to be honest with people. And it's also okay to say to other people in a time of Christmas when you're grieving and struggling, I need some help. I, I, need, I need you to come and have a coffee or a tea with me. I'm feeling all alone. Those, those things are so important. And it's important for us to realize, church, that if we are not grieving, that we are mindful of those who are. And grief comes in all different ways. And we also need to find ways to walk alongside those who are grieving in a non-intrusive way. And I believe the Holy Spirit will give you the help that is needed to do that. I think that famous passage, John 11, in the death of Lazarus, verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had, become, who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. I want to encourage people to think this Christmas that God moves in, God moves in close, and he understands and weeps with us. And he is also moved in spirit and troubled when we are going through a difficult time. But we came to our passage today, and it's about that first night, that Christmas night. And the angel announced the three purposes for the birth of Jesus. And we're looking at that this week and in the weeks to come. Christmas is a time of celebration. Christmas is a time for salvation, and Christmas is a time for reconciliation. And as I said, today we're looking at the fact that today Christmas is a time of celebration. Why Christmas? Because we want to celebrate. Remember Charlie Brown? Some of us still like to watch that special, Charlie Brown's Christmas. And Charlie Brown was having trouble getting into the Christmas spirit, so Linus said, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Unfortunately, some Christians can do that as well, that we turn it into a problem. And it was good this morning to be in the house of the Lord, to sing the Lord a new song. 
And by the, by the way, worship team, it was beautiful. You did well on that, learning a new song. And, and also singing praises to the Lord and to just hear joy in the house of the Lord. Because Christmas is a time to celebrate. Do you know sometimes it gets so discouraging as Christmas gets closer and closer. And as a pastor, I look out. And if you see the tiredness on people, the expression and the views, uh, it's anything but a time to celebrate. But God wants us as the Church of Jesus Christ to celebrate. Because the world sure doesn't know how to do it right. And we're the ones who are supposed to show them how to celebrate. The psalmist said it this way, and Pastor Mike read it, This is the day that the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. I love what uh, Rick uh, Warren has also said in his quote here. He says, Christmas is a time for celebrating, so I'm not against decorating and putting up lights, buying gifts. In fact, the whole reason we give gifts is the wise men gave gifts to Jesus at that first Christmas, and that started the gift-giving process. And so there is this aspect, church, that we should not be afraid to celebrate because there was wonderful news that was given that evening to those shepherds, and therefore that good news is for us as well. I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all people. See, that good news that comes at Christmas is personal. I bring to you, not the person in the pew over there, not the person on the platform, the angels, if they were here today, would say, or an angel that started the message, would say to you, I bring you the good news. It's personal. It's positive. I bring you what? Bad news? No. I bring you good news of great joy. And so it's amazing when we see this positive message that the angels were bringing to these shepherds. And was it just for the Jews or just a few? No. He makes it very clear here. It is for everyone. It is good news for all people. And so it's amazing when we think about it. The angel brought us the best news in the world. And through Jesus, there is good news today. And I want to encourage you today. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. There is good news today. And we as the church need to share the good news and encourage one another. Amen. The good news today is that God loves you. Do you know that today? You know, it was interesting that we have walked with people who have walked and knew the Lord, have, have been saved for decades, who with tears in their eyes challenged us, never stopped telling people, Pastor, that God loves them. Because I didn't know it for years. I was a believer, I was saved, but I never knew that God loved me. And it was the love of God, when it finally hit my heart, changed and transformed me. And I want you to know today that God loves you. That's good news. That God loves us. And we know that most famous statement in the Bible that we see at football games. John 3, 16. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. So that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
That is good news, my friends. That is God gave. That's why we give gifts, because God gave his best. He gave his son. And this is the whole entire reason for Christmas, why he came. The love of God. That's why Jesus was born. God so loved us so much that he came to earth as a human. See, we could, that relationship with God was broken, and so God had a remedy since the foundation of the earth. He had a remedy for our brokenness, our fallenness, that Christ would come and take on human, fallen flesh. And yet, sinful flesh, but yet would not sin. So he could be indeed the one who could pay sin's penalty and then make a way for us. Last night, there's something that, you know, I wasn't going to, it's not part of the message, but it came to me that the Lord spoke to me on Saturday nights when we pray. And I get this picture of entering into the throne room and that we have free access now to the king in prayer, that we can come boldly. Where before we would have to stay outside, we were never welcomed in. That temple and to the Holy Holies, that curtain was torn into, that we now have free access to God. And we can pray to God freely. And then I thought, who am I? Who am I that I can enter into the throne room of God and ask anything? And yet we come in the authority in the name of Jesus. But there's a picture that comes to me often in prayer. It is that picture of Esther. When Mordecai says to her, you need to go into the king and you need to plead for your people. And Esther says, I can't go because if I go into the presence of the king without being required or asked, I will be killed. And so she dies after prayer and all the people pray. She decides that she is going to go in to see the king. And if I die, I die. And so as she goes in to see the king, the king looks at her with love in his eyes. And what does he do? He does something that was in his power to do. He held out the scepter to her, which was a sign, come. And once she touched the scepter, that death penalty was gone. And she could come in freely into the throne room of the king. And last night as we were praying, I saw Jesus put his scepter out towards us. And say to us, come, come. Come and pray. Come and ask. Enter my throne room at any time. And then that scepter turned into the cross. It was that king's scepter became the cross that he put out for us. That we can come at any time. I love this story because the incarnation, Jesus took on our flesh. Theologians call it the incarnation. All it means is God took on flesh. That's what, why uh, Christmas Starts it all. That's why God has broken into our world, into our mess, into our fallenness. I like what Rick Warren said. One potential problem of our annual Christmas celebrations is that many people only think of Jesus as a baby. Their conception of him is only as a helpless newborn in his mother's arms. If Jesus had never grown up to do what he did, he'd have no power to transform our lives. But the baby born in Bethlehem did not stay a baby. Amen. Sing hallelujah. Jesus grew to manhood, modeled for us the kind of life that pleases God, taught us the truth, paid for every sin we commit by dying on a cross, then proved that he was God and could save us by coming back to life. 
This is good news. When the Romans nailed Jesus to the cross, they stretched his arms as wide as they could. With his arms wide open, Jesus was physically demonstrating, I love you this much. I love you so much it hurts. I'd rather die than live without you. The next time you see a picture of Jesus on the cross with his arms outstretched, I pray that you would remember that you hear him saying to you, I love you this much, end quote. And so we know that God loves us today, but we also have good news because God is with us. Jesus shows us that God is not far off and aloof and uncaring, but God comes to us. God is with us. Look what 1 John 1, 8-10 says, and this is especially for those that are grieving and got difficult news. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. I am with you, God says. We know that the name that was given Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. And so God has come to earth. And Christmas reminds us of that good news, that he is always with us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Now here is the key. We need to tune into it. We need to connect to it. We need to be present. Remember we said that before. That we bring into the house of the Lord, we bring to our Bible study, we bring to Sunday school class our presence. The greatest present I can give the king is my presence. And I need to tune in to the fact that I am not alone. And any moment of the day, God is with me. I'm not alone. God is with me. And I pray that that just resonates in your spirit today, that God is with you. And this is amazing. God is for you. So God loves us, God is with us, and God is for you. I didn't think of it earlier, but I'm thinking of the old movie Rocky and the guy, <laughs> the coach, well, you don't call him the coach, his trainer, in the corner, cheering him on. Do you realize that God is for you today? That God wants you to do well and succeed? We know we use that passage from Jeremiah 29, 11, and we take it out of context, but it is true when the Lord says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. This phrase, for you, is found repeatedly in Scripture. Jesus said when he came up to people, What do you want me to do for you? And a miracle happened. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper that we partook of today, this is my body given for you. The Apostle Paul said it this way, if God is for us, who can be against us? When we're facing difficulty, it is great to have the knowledge that God is with us, but it's even better to know he is for us. Do you know today that nobody wants the best for you more than Jesus? 
Nobody wants you to succeed more than Jesus. He really knows how to make us truly happy and fulfilled and blessed. And he doesn't want us to be fearful of him. Now hear me right. There is a fear of the Lord which is reverence. And for too often we've brought God down to a level where he's just my good buddy uh, and friend. And no, he is the holy creator God. And I come to him humbly in reverence. That's holy fear. But I'm not to come to him afraid. Do you realize that 365 times in the Bible it says, be not afraid. Somebody said that's one for every day of the year. Do not be afraid. And I want to challenge you today. Some of us grew up and the way we seen God was that God was angry and punishing. And I want to challenge you today, if you presented God in that way to people, instead of running to God, they run away from Him. Because God is seen as angry and punishing. Now God is just, and God will be the judge, and there will be coming a day when we will all stand and give account. But until that day, God is for us. And that is the message that we, as the body of Christ, the good news we need to be sharing, people, is God loves you, God is with you, and God is for you, that you need to accept Christ and this wonderful gift that God has for you until that day when he returns in the trunk shall sound. What happens when I see God as an angry, punishing God I'm not going to want to run in and worship him. I'm really not going to want to read this. I'm really not going to want to have much to do with any of it. When we present that God is the God of good news, that God gave, that God is here, that God is with us, that God is for us, I'd like to hear a bit more about that. And then you talk about sins and the remedy for sins. And then you give a reason for your faith. And you guide that person to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's challenging. But our God is a God of good news. And so it's worth celebrating. It's time for us as a church to take this birth of Jesus and to celebrate there was a boy, when he was born, in Jesus' day, minstrel choirs would, at the birth, it would be kind of neat if somebody would do this in West Prince, but when a, a boy was born, they would show up at the house, and at the house they would sing songs of praise that a son was born. Isn't that wonderful that a son was born? And so somebody said, isn't it interesting that Jesus you know, Jesus said that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, right? When the disciples of John were coming and wanting to follow him. And it starts right here at his birth. That he had nowhere really to call home. And so while they are off in Bethlehem, far from family, far from friends, this typical celebration didn't happen for Jesus. There were no people at the door singing and playing instruments. I thought after about the carol, the little drummer boy kind of fits in with that biblical picture, right? 
And so what actually happened is all of creation and all the angels at the birth of Jesus began to celebrate and sing. So they didn't have anybody coming by that stable, family and friends to sing songs, and all of creation, the angels sang at his birth. Now church, here's the question. Are you willing to sing? Are you willing to celebrate? Are you willing to recognize that this is a season of celebration? Don't allow, let the worship band come. Don't allow those things to steal the joy and celebration of Christmas from you. Look at the end of our passage in verse 13 and 14. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I believe today, whether we celebrate or not, all of heaven is celebrating. It was interesting, two women who were having lunch in an elegant hotel were approached by a mutual friend who asked what the occasion was. Oh, she said, we are celebrating the birth of my new baby boy. So the friend says, well, where is he? I'd like to see him. And she says, oh, I didn't bring him. I left him at home. How often, if we're not careful, there are those things that can steal joy and celebration out of our Christmases. And it'll be like we've left Jesus at home. I want to encourage you today that we can celebrate because God loves us, God is with us, and God is for us. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing this song and I'll close in prayer.